Well, let's see. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 46 is where we're going to begin. Genesis chapter 46. I'm still fired up about that. I was thinking about Genesis chapter 2, when God told Adam and Eve they could eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they couldn't eat, lest they died. And what's the first thing the devil does when he comes on the scene? Hath God said? And then, as he started out with the doubt, hath God said? I mean, if you've got 20 Bibles out in front of you and all say something different, Where is there any authority there? And then the devil said, you'll not surely die. I mean, over here in the NASV, it says you won't die. It doesn't say that. I just picked out some letters. Uh, But I'll be honest with you. If this book isn't God's word, what are we even doing meeting? Because you have no assurance that anything in the book is true if this isn't God's Word. Thank God I got an every word Bible. Amen. All right, chapter 46. We'll begin reading at verse 28. We're going to preach through verse 9 of chapter 47, but I'm not going to read all those verses right now. Notice in verse 28, And he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him, and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. Now stop right there just a second. Look at verse 30. He said, And Israel... Israel said unto Joseph, I want you to notice that because you remember when Jacob was bringing his family back from Laban's house and he found out he was going to be meeting Esau, he wrestled with God all night in prayer. And God changed his name from Jacob, which means supplanter, trickster, changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means prince, With God. Now, earlier in the book of Genesis, when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, he was never called anything but Abraham at that point. When Sarai's name was changed to Sarah, she's never called anything but Sarah from that point on. But back when God changed Jacob's name to Israel, just a verse later, he's calling him Jacob again. And it's used different times. It's almost like this is Israel when he's close to the Lord and when he's being devious and a trickster, God just goes ahead and calls him Jacob. Now, we just read the name Israel here. He's coming back, leader of the family. But as we read the story, you'll notice he's going to be called Jacob again in the same passages. So we go on. And Israel said unto Joseph, now let me die since I've seen thy face because thou art 
yet alive. And Joseph said unto his brethren, unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, my brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And the men are shepherds for their trade hath been to feed cattle. And they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come to pass when Pharaoh shall call you and shall say, What is your occupation? That ye shall say, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination Unto the Egyptians. Now that's the first presentation. We'll read of two others in a few moments, but let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus and how we pray that you speak to our hearts. Teach us some things about being careful whenever we get around the old crowd. Though we don't start acting like the old crowd that we left. And Lord, teach us some other powerful truths here that we're going to find in these passages tonight. May our hearts be open to your word and allow you to change our lives for your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Joseph's journey in preparation has been a very difficult one. The preparation, God was preparing him to be the number two man in Egypt, to be able to spare all of his family members as well as an entire nation. Uh, Joseph has had it tough. You remember he was sold into slavery by his brothers. The scripture had said three times back in chapter 37 that they hated him. Another verse said that they envied him. Some of the brothers wanted to put him to death, but they put him in a pit and and, uh, Judah came up with the idea of making a little profit off of Joseph and they sold him. So he's in the house of slavery at Potiphar's house. God is with him. Potiphar noticed that his God was with him and he made him the head of the home. The only one above him was Potiphar himself. But then when he did right, when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he didn't give in. He took a strong stand for righteousness, even though he didn't have a Bible. Why on earth can't God's people in God's house and in Christian families, why on earth can't we take a strong stand for morality and sexual purity? Why can't we do that? We got a Bible and we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We know truths that Joseph didn't know. We ought to be able to do right. We just ought to be able to say, I'm not going to sin against God and stand for the things that are right. Well, I don't want to get too far afield. I may do that a lot before we're done anyway tonight. But we see some character traits found in Joseph that we don't find in the rest of the family. So far, Joseph has been upright in everything he has done. When he was a slave, he was upright. When he was in prison, he was upright. And then when God exalted him after 13 years of that horrible mistreatment, and God exalted him to the place of the number two man in all of Egypt, the only man more powerful than he in the entire land was Pharaoh himself, and that was it. You wonder how in the world did he get all those good traits when it appears nobody in his family had those traits. Where did it come from? I mean, this is amazing. Now, for those of you who have a number of children, you'll probably be the first to admit that all your children are different. Even though they all are born here in the same house, same mom and dad, 
uh, got the same standards for each of them in your home, all of that, and yet the kids are different. And truly, when it comes to Jacob's 12 children, 12 boys, and then he had a daughter named Dinah, and you remember that when he goes to bless them in Genesis chapter 49, they all got some different blessings because, again, they were all different. But you just kind of wonder where he got the strong stand for righteousness that he had. But thank God that he did. He was faithful at forsaking bitterness, faithful in service in every aspect of life. He saves Egypt, a pagan country. During the seven years of plenty, he makes Pharaoh very, very rich and even more powerful. During the seven years of famine, he preserves the land as well as preserving his own family. God used Joseph to save more than just Egypt and his family because all the nations were coming down to Egypt to get food that God had provided during those seven years of plenty. Well, after Joseph proved his brethren to be different than what they had been, I mean, let's stop right there for just a moment. Think about this. We see men too often as they were. We don't let them be as they are. Too often we see men as they were. Here's Joseph. He knew what his brothers were. But he checks them out to see if they're different. And come to find out they're different. We see a man that messes up. And that's how we look at him from now on, as he messed up. Instead of seeing as God sees us for what we can be and what we truly are now. It's important that we do that because all too often, now listen to me. Yes, a person can disqualify himself from being a pastor. And he can do that, doesn't get it back. When he disqualifies himself, he can still be forgiven. There's a lot of things he can still do, and he can be upright. He can win souls to Christ. He can do a great number of things in service for the Lord. But because he did something 10 years ago doesn't mean that he's that same bad man today. Or six years ago. But it's hard for us to show that kind of grace and mercy toward those who disappointed us and let us down. Well, having said that, uh, here's the problem with a lot of these web blogs and papers. Man may make some mistakes in the ministry, and they are forever guilty, and they are forever worthless because they did. Got to be careful about that. Well, Joseph was ready to bless his brothers and to save their families, as well as all that he needed was an assurance of a change And he got that when they brought his brother Benjamin down. Judah was willing to protect his younger brother. And so Joseph revealed himself to him. And you remember when we ended last week, Joseph sent his brothers back up to Jacob's along with a bunch of Egyptian wagons to bring the whole family down. To bring Jacob down, to bring uh, the families of all the brothers, to bring them down as well into Egypt where he was going to give them the very best of the land. So he makes three presentations in the passages that we're studying tonight. Number one, he presents himself to his father. Going to see some tremendous lessons here and also a caution. And then he presents his father, uh, he presents his brothers to Pharaoh, and then he presents his father to Pharaoh. 
So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. We see the reunion, and it's a precious reunion. What a sight. Notice it says in verse 29, And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him, and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. This is a very precious reunion. Now, he doesn't go out and just meet his father along the way. He waits until he gets to the land of Goshen. And then he goes to see him. And he goes in his chariot, the chariot, this would be Air Force Two, the chariot of the second leading man in the kingdom. And uh, he goes there in all his regalia. He is an important high official in the land. The word presented here was a Hebrew word that is generally used, generally used only concerning God about presenting yourself to the Lord. But in this, what, the, what he's basically telling us here is uh, he, he is lifting up J- Jacob, someone that the people do not know in the land. As this man is such an important figure that here the number two man in our nation is coming up to him. He's not making uh, Jacob come down to Joseph. What's he doing? He is showing him honor. Now the reality is this. Jacob didn't do a whole lot in his life that deserved honor. He was a trickster. He was a supplanter. Everything was about him. As a matter of fact, even when he thought Joseph was dead, it was woe is me. Not the rest of the family, but woe is me. When he came down to to meet Esau, and he told Esau, you remember his brother, that all the things he was bringing, those were for Esau. Esau wanted to go ahead and get them all down to his place and eat them. And Jacob said, no, if we take them too fast, they'll die. You go on, I'll meet you down there. And the next morning after his all night in prayer, he crosses over Jordan and stays in Shechem. Even after being called Israel, he's still a deceiver, still a supplanter. That's what he's been. And when his two sons lead the attack on Shechem and kill all the men of the city, Jacob's main concern was this. Now you made me to stink in the eyes of all the people around here. Now you've made it dangerous for me. I'm sorry. We don't have a whole lot of good things to say about Jacob's attitude and what he did. You say, but Jacob is in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Do you remember what he did to get in the hall of faith? You remember what great work, what great victory that took place under Jacob's leadership that put him in there? Here it was. He blessed his children. That's in chapter 49 of the book of Genesis. He blessed his children. By faith, Jacob blessed his children. Now, in a few moments, we're going to see Jacob blessing Pharaoh, which is a good thing. I'm not finding anything wrong with him blessing his children. That's, That's not the problem. It's just that Jacob... There's not an awful lot of spiritual things you can say about him. Uh, And yet, God sees us all the way through. And thank God, if he held us accountable for every little thing that we've done, none of us would have a chance. 
You would hardly, matter of fact, if that be the case, you would never call him Israel, prince with God. But God does from time to time. Now, some might think this is being one of pride or showing off and coming up where his family's at. But now think about just for a moment. You remember, we've had the statement twice now that the, uh, the Hebrews were an abomination to the Egyptians. The land has gone through seven years of plenty, and through that, they've had to give 20% of all they made. They had to give it to Pharaoh for him to keep and for him to get rich off. And now, during the years of famine, they've got to go down to Pharaoh, and they have to purchase their food while there's a famine in the land. So here's Joseph, the number two man. He brings his family down. They're Hebrews. And he sticks them in the best land and lets them live there. Now, I just suspect, knowing human nature, that there's going to be some people who aren't going to like it. What are those Hebrews doing in Goshen? They practically, as far as the, the normal Egyptian would be concerned, these folks have come out of nowhere. These people have done nothing for Egypt. They've come down and now they get the best of the land while we're still going over and buying food from Pharaoh. And you can only imagine if something is not done to put the fear of Pharaoh in the hearts of the people that were around them then there would probably be some type of vigilante system that would be going on and it would be dangerous for Jacob and his family. Just think with me about this now. So when the number two man, when Air Force Two, Chariot Two comes down and the, this man gets out in his number two uniform and he goes up to this old man and he's weeping. The old man is not having to come in great humility this man's got the land, and here's Joseph. He is weeping on this man. He has elevated his father to a great height in the eyes of the people. And one message that the normal Egyptian would get, hands off those people. You'll face the wrath of Pharaoh if you touch them. So here's Jacob. Honor, not Jacob, but Joseph, honoring his father. So he is showing the Egyptians how he honors his father. Remember in Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, Scripture says, uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, uh, which is right. Honor thy father and mother. Hey, Jacob wasn't a perfect father. He wasn't a perfect Christian, if we could use the term Christian. He wasn't a perfect representative of God but he's being honored. And you young people, you may think that your parents are less than perfect. You better honor them. God holds you accountable to honor them. Well, I don't like the rules they have at home. Shut your mouth. Because your parents have a special position before God in your care. And God did not make you their judge. Now, that's a little extra. I hadn't planned to say that. Now, the emotion of the moment is very special. Jacob is 130 years old. We know that from chapter 47 and verse 9. 
when Pharaoh asked him his age and he tells him that he was 130 years old. But the joy of seeing a son that he's been separated from for 22 years, he breaks down. This is special. 22 years he thought Joseph was dead and now he gets to see him face to face. Then something strange takes place. You know, you look at the life of Joseph, it's almost impossible to find fault with any of it until he gets his family around him. And then there's one thing. God doesn't say a lot about it, but God tells us what took place. Here in, the, uh, in verse uh, 31, Joseph said unto his brethren, unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, My brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto thee. And the men are shepherds. Now understand that that term shepherd can be one who takes care of sheep or one who takes care of cattle. I know we don't use the term shepherd for cattle in our life, but they did back then. And it's obvious in the text. If you look at what it says... And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed what? Cattle. So this term, shepherds, could be used for either cattle or sheep. So here's Joseph telling them, you tell Pharaoh that you take care of, you've taken care of cattle. That's what you've been about. And the men are uh, shepherds for their trade has been to feed cattle. And they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come to pass when Pharaoh shall call you and shall say, What is your occupation? That ye shall say, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now. Both we and also our fathers. So in other words, we've been cattlemen. For generations, that's our main job. Joseph, what's happened to you? You've been so upright in everything. And now he's not, well, he's telling them to lie. He's telling them to, he's allowed God to work out everything in his life. Sold into slavery, he acts right. He does right and he gets put in prison for doing right. And he still acts right. He becomes the number two man for Pharaoh, saves the nation. He does all that. Pharaoh has his complete trust, but now he's around family. Here's the message for you on this. Be careful when you get around the old crowd. And be careful when you get around family. I know that we've got some that out of your family, you were the only one that was saved. And you still like seeing your brothers and sisters, and that's fine. Just be careful you don't become like them when you get around them. I mean, is this not amazing? This seems so out of character for Joseph. It says, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen. Get this, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Now, we were told when his brothers first came down there, we were told in the scripture, do you remember the Egyptians ate at a different table than the brothers? Because the Hebrews were an abomination to the Egyptians. Now we learn, not only were the Hebrews an abomination to the Egyptians, 
But those who were shepherds of sheep were also an abomination to the Egyptians. Now, you just wonder, Pharaoh is an Egyptian. He's allowing Joseph to give them the best of the land. Now, if they had CNN back then or any of these 24-hour news stations, that would be the subject till the next election. Isn't that right? He's giving away the property. These people, we can't stand these people. We don't even have to know them. They take care of sheep. They're Hebrews. We hate them. So he says, don't tell them. Tell them that you take care of cattle and you've been doing that for generations. Wow. So we look at Joseph and we're just kind of shocked. It's obvious that to have sheep was, uh, that to have sheep was not uh, an abomination to the Hebrews, but that would be an, to have sheep. But if that's your main job, that would be a problem. So he then presents his brethren to Pharaoh. Now, this is an interesting thing which takes place. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 47, Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan. And behold, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them to Pharaoh. Now the question comes up, the Bible doesn't tell us, and so I'm going to do some speculating here. And you may speculate different, and that's okay. But which five did he take? What do you think? Which five he took? Well, I don't have any doubt that he took Benjamin. I mean, that's his brother. He probably also took Reuben because Reuben was the oldest of all the brethren. So more than likely, he took Judah because you remember the line of Christ comes through Judah. And in chapter 38, Judah showed a turnaround in character in chapter 38. So he probably took Judah too. But who would the other two be? Perhaps it was the oldest son of each of the handmaids, which would be Dan and Gad. Dan was the, hand, was the, uh, the son of the handmaid Bilhah, and Gad was the son of the handmaid Zilpah. Now, that would make five. I really doubt that he would have taken Simeon and Levi. They were angry men. I mean, these are men. They're the ones. We know Simeon was. He was one that wanted to have Joseph killed back there in the pit. So I doubt he took those two, but he took five. Anyway, you could speculate different, and that's fine. We could talk about that and laugh about it. That's a happy corner topic, so uh, we'll move on from there. Uh, but five of the 11, why he only took five, why he didn't take all, all 11 of his brothers, Scripture simply doesn't tell us. And then it says in verse 3, Pharaoh said unto his brethren, what is your occupation? Boy, Joseph knows Pharaoh pretty good by this time, doesn't he? He's been with him for nine years. Been on staff there for nine years. And he told his brothers, when Pharaoh asks you what your occupation is, tell them you're shepherds for generations you've been dealing with cattle. Now notice what they do. And they said unto Pharaoh, thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. They don't say they're shepherds of cattle. They just led Pharaoh to believe whatever he would believe. 
since shepherds of sheep were an abomination to the Egyptians, no doubt Pharaoh was thinking they're shepherds of cattle. Don't have any doubt about that because he didn't make any negative comment about it. What are they doing? Joseph told them to lie. They don't lie. They deceive. To deceive is to get somebody to believe a lie without telling them a lie. And I personally believe that's exactly what takes place here. To act in character. The family trait is to deceive. And I believe that's what they do right here. So, and notice he says, both we and also our fathers. They leave out the word cattle. Uh, You would want to think maybe a tinge of conscience. I don't think so. Uh, They said moreover unto Pharaoh, for to sojourn in the land are we come, for thy servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, let that make them rulers over my what? What do you think Pharaoh was thinking? Cattle. He's thinking cattle. They didn't say they were shepherds of cattle. But that's what Pharaoh was thinking. And that worked just fine. Deceits always work for that family. So they just keep being deceitful. Uh, Joseph, out of character. It's the only blemish that I can see in all of this, in the entire story of Joseph. The only blemish I can see for Joseph there. And then it says, this, he's presented his brothers to Pharaoh. Now he's going to present his father. And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Jacob really didn't have anything at all to honor Pharaoh that Pharaoh didn't already have. Jacob is not a poor man. Matter of fact, he's a rich man. But he, he at least blesses Pharaoh. Now, this is an Egyptian. I mean, this is a real Egyptian. It's not like Joseph, who is a Hebrew, but uh, part of the government of the Egyptian. But he blesses him, which is right to honor those who are in authority. The scripture teaches us that in Romans chapter 13. You may not like their politics, but their very, their very position demands some respect. We are to give honor to whom honor is due. And not honor as you see it, but honor according to their position. Joseph did that before. You find when Daniel is reigning with the Medes and Persians and with the Babylonians, he always treated the kings. Even though they were pagan, he treated them with honor because of their position. Now, having said that, we go on. Jacob said unto Pharaoh... That, well, notice verse 8. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob. Notice he's no longer being called Israel. It's Jacob. Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life been and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers. 
in the land of their pilgrimage. Now stop right there for a second. I'm a little put out with Jacob here. He's how old? 130. Now I don't know any 100 years old that think they've only been around for a couple days. I mean, when we hear somebody that passes on, they're in their 90s, well, at least they had a good long life. He's 130 years old. And he says, few. That's the first thing he says. It's been the days of my life. Well, now, Abraham was 175 when he died. His dad, Isaac, was 180 when he died. He's only, <laughs> he's only 130. But he's not dead yet. And he's not going to die anytime real soon. He's going to live another 17 years. But it's interesting, you know, Pharaoh says, how long you've been alive? He says, 130, but I haven't lived as long as dad yet. What are you down about? You say, how do you know he said it like that? Because of what he said next. Few and evil have been the days of my pilgrimage. Evil? Uh, You're rich. Uh, You're living in Goshen, the best part of the land. You, uh, you were rich before you got here. Few and evil have been. He's just been reunited with Joseph. Can you imagine back then where there wasn't a hospital in every town? They didn't have all the fancy machinery and stuff like that. I doubt that there were many families that had 13 kids that didn't lose at least one. He's an old man. He's got all of his children. None of them are dead. Few and evil have been. What kind of testimony is that? To me, it seems, I may not seem like this to you, but suddenly his blessings don't seem so important because God has poured out his blessing upon this man, Jacob who has walked in disobedience so much of the time, and God has blessed him, look where he's at right now. But his attitude, to me, smacks of the attitude of a lot of these rich kids and rich young adults who have more money than they know what to do with. They've got the richest of cars, and they're unhappy. They curse their parents. They curse their day because they don't have everything that they want. That's what Jacob sounds like. That's how he's talking when he's had it pretty good. So here he is. Well, he does have one problem. He's still limping. He's limping from that prayer time that he had with God when God changed his name to Israel. The fact that he's still called Jacob lets us know that there's a problem with him. So here he is, a man who considers his years as being bad, Now, did he have some problems? Well, yes. His beloved Rachel had died in childbirth when she was giving birth to Benjamin. His son Reuben had committed immorality with Bilhah, his handmaid. Simeon and Levi had led a town in murder. His daughter Dinah had been defiled. And he had been a trickster. The truth is, there are a lot of problems that Jacob had in these 130 years that were his own fault. He simply got what he raised. Few and evil. This reminds me a little bit of Naomi. 
Naomi and her husband and her two sons, they go over to Moab during a time of famine. And you remember her husband dies, her two sons die, she's left with two daughter-in-laws that are Moabites, Ruth and Orpah, or was that Oprah? I can't remember. Um, had, and she tries to get both of them to stay in Moab. Ruth won't do it. She's going to go. Why? I'll tell you what. Naomi wasn't a very good testimony in front of her of the blessings of God. But for some reason, she stayed to worship Naomi's God. But when Naomi gets back and somebody says, Naomi's here. And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She says, I went out full and I came back empty. Well, whose fault is that? They left the promised land. It might have been a famine, but God can take care of us in the famine. Just seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Pardon me, will be added unto you. You say, but it was a famine, preacher. I know, but the people of the land didn't leave. Boaz hadn't left. When she she comes back, her husband's dead, her sons are dead, but the people that she left, they're still alive. It wasn't that bad of a famine. And listen, I can tell you stories in my 40-some years of preaching of people who left for a better job and then lost their family lost their kids, had their homes broken up because they got a better job. But when, that's where when that is where your value lies, your value system is wrapped up in, that you're willing to move about for better physical things and not a closer walk with God, you're headed for some real heartache. That happened to her. There's an awful lot of troubles that we have. And if we sit back and think about it, a lot of troubles that we have that we brought on ourselves. We made wrong decisions. We can be honest and admit those wrong decisions. You know, whenever I hear somebody say, you know, if I had to do all over again, I'd, I'd never change a thing. I think, you're an idiot. I can think of a number of things I'd change. Number one, I'd have got saved a whole lot sooner than 22 years of age. And on top of that, even with the way he had been, God's blessed him. His son's the number two man in the land. I've got the protection of the Egyptian government for all of my family. We've got everything we need. We're going to be taken care of. The famine may go on for another five years, but we got it good. We're in Goshen. Remember uh, Joe Arthur's message in the super conference on throwing off the smoke. The smell of the smoke in the fire. We can complain about the most meaning. I can. I admit it. We can complain about the silliest stuff that don't matter much where God has blessed us in so many other ways. But our minds on those little bitty things that don't matter a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Thank God we have a merciful God. We have a loving God who takes care of us. So he's a bad testimony. He's blessed Pharaoh when he comes in and sees him. And then the scripture says that, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh 
and went out from before Pharaoh, he blessed them again. At least he is showing Pharaoh proper respect. So we learn some lessons about the relationship with the father. We see the impact that having the old crowd around that it can have on an extremely good man like Joseph. It's maybe a small chink in the armor, but at least we have found out that even the best men are still men at best. And it's good for us to remember that about everybody. Even the best women are still women at best. Remember Job's wife. I believe she was a good woman, a godly woman. When she said, curse God and die, he said to her, you speak like one of the foolish women. In other words, that's not how she normally talked. But she had just lost 10 children too. She had lost all the things, all the riches of the family. And now it looked like her husband was going to die. She broke. I'm sorry, I have a hard time finding fault with her. Now, I, I, I've heard preachers preach and make it sound like, well, God got even with her. She had to bear 10 more children. I think God blessed her with 10 more children. And I believe that's how she looked at it. We need to learn something about the blessings of the day to give God proper due credit for it all. And that the lost world around us, when they see us, they ought to see a people who've not only been blessed, but know they've been blessed and be that type of testimony. Well, let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, this presentation, Joseph presenting himself to his father after 22 years, Joseph presenting his brothers to Pharaoh, and then presenting his father to Pharaoh, giving honor to his whole family. When his family had forsaken him, they may have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, and that's how Joseph always saw it. May we learn that our actions always be right and our testimony be right when we go through the hard things of life. Have your way in our lives tonight, for I ask it in Jesus' name.